Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is DJ Hillier, and you are listening to episode 171 of the MyFit Podcast. This week's episode is a throwback to one of my all-time favorite shows with one of my all-time favorite guests, none other than John Gordon. For those of you guys that aren't familiar, John is a best-selling author and keynote speaker. He's also worked with numerous professional athletes, coaches, and teams such as LA Dodgers, Miami Heat, Jacksonville Jaguars, Atlanta Falcons, Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Timberwolves, and dozens more, specifically on leadership, culture, and teamwork. As an author, John has written 23 books, including 10 bestsellers and five children's books. His most well-known book is The Energy Bus, which has sold over 2 million copies and has made its way into several Fortune 500 companies. John has an incredible testimony of how his life dramatically changed at the age of 31 and has made him into the man that he is today. What I love most about John is his contagious, positive spirit that you can just hear and feel through your headphones. And I think it's something that we can all use a little bit more of in today's world. A couple of the topics we got into today first were, how did John turn into the positive guy? He wasn't always the positive guy, but there's a moment in his life where things really shifted. After that, we talked about the common characteristics of some of the best coaches he's been around. We talked about the difference between talking to yourself versus listening to yourself. After that, we talked about what it means to feed the positive dog. We talked about what are energy vampires. And then we closed down talking about COVID-19 and what are some things that we can do to when we face adversity, how can we face adversity a little bit better, be more prepared and come out stronger in the end? This is a really short episode, but it's jam-packed with a lot of great uh, knowledge bombs for you guys. John is such an incredible guy with so much experience and just great wisdom that he can shed upon everybody. If you guys enjoy the show, be sure to leave a rating, review, and refer it to a friend. That stuff helps my show grow tremendously and also helps to bring on more amazing guests like John. So without further ado, let's get to this fun throwback episode with John Gordon. Let's go. John Gordon, welcome to the MyFit Podcast. It's an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Hey, great to be with you, DJ. For the listeners who aren't familiar with you, John, I'd love for you to just take a couple minutes to talk about your story and how you turned into the positive guy. The positive guy. Well, it's ironic that I'm called the positive guy because I am not naturally positive. Grew up in Long Island, New York, Jewish, Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of <laughs> wine, a lot of whining, really struggled with positivity in my 20s. I was 31 years old. My wife came up to me. She said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need to change. And I needed to change. I, I was miserable. I was negative. I was blaming her for why my life was so bad. I wasn't taking ownership of my life. I wasn't taking responsibility or accountability. And so when she gave me that ultimatum, it really woke me up. And I wanted to be a more positive person. I wanted to stay married. And so I begged her to stay. She agreed to stay. And I agreed to change. And that began this journey of researching ways that I, I could be more positive. I found all this research in the emerging field of positive psychology. It was very 
begin in the beginning stages. It was really new, but I found some really cool things. I started to practice some of these ideas. I came up with my own thing called the thank you walk, where I would walk every day and say what I was thankful for. I read that you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So I started to do that. And that had a big impact on me. I started to write and share tips every week. This was before social media, before blogs. I had a newsletter. Constant Contact was really early in its infancy in terms of a business. And I started to share this weekly positive tip every week. People started reading it, started sharing it. Next thing you know, I start writing books. And here we are, let's see, 15, 16 years later, and I get to do this amazing work, get to make a difference and, and, uh, and love it. 23 books later and um, a, lot of, a lot of words written, a lot of time shared on stages, but I'm thankful I get to do this work. And I'm, most of all, I'm thankful that I, I changed. You know, I really was willing to change. And I think that's the key. You have to be willing to improve. You know, in the fitness world, if you're not willing to get better, you're not going to get better. You got to be willing to do the work if you want to be great. And I had to do the work. We all have to do the work, but you have to be willing. And the best aren't the best because they are just chosen or born that way. What I have found, if we watched Tom Brady last night, the best work harder on their craft. They practice more. They have a greater desire and they're willing to be uncomfortable in order to improve. Mm -hmm. That was an amazing Tom Brady last night. I think something that I really was itching to ask you today, you've had the chance to work with numerous professional sports, college athletes, coaches like Doc Rivers. And I'm curious if, John, if you could enlighten our listeners a little bit about what were the kind of the common takeaways when you see some of the best coaches, not only on their coaching style, their leadership, but I'm very curious to hear about how do you create a culture that, you know, encompasses that. I think about, you know, Dabo Sweeney, he has new people coming in every other year, going to the draft and, and go and transferring, all that kind of stuff. How do you keep a culture that is instilled no matter whether it's 2008 or 2016? Well, he knows what his culture stands for. A leader must know what your culture stands for. A leader is able to communicate those values, those principles to everyone. They share the vision. They share the purpose. They share the mission. They rally their team to be a part of it. They invite them to be a part of the journey. Here's where we're going. Let's go there together. Here is our purpose. I want you on this mission with me. And so great communicators are essential in terms of, it's essential for leadership. Also being a leader who develops relationships, you got to make the time to invest in your relationship with your team. They got to know that you care about them. If you don't care about them, they're not going to care about what you have to say. And not going to care about your vision. People follow the leader first and the vision second. Are you someone that they want to follow? And that's all about relationships. So you have to be someone who's, who's likable, someone who can connect with people, someone who takes the time to commit, show you care. But it also goes to communication. Are you making the time to communicate with those that you lead? So great leaders are able to, to communicate those values, those principles. They're able to unite their team together. They're able to develop these relationships and have these conversations where they talk about the issues, they talk about the challenges. because. Today's world, you have to be able to communicate with each person one-on-one, -on -one, not just collectively. And I find that all these great coaches I work with have that in mind. They also practice a lot of love and accountability. And so the team knows that they love them. The player knows that they love them, but they earn the right through that love, through that relationship, through that investment to challenge them. So I'm going to hold you accountable to the principles, the standards, our culture, 
what we truly value. And I'm going to encourage you along the way, but I'm not going to let you settle for anything less than your best. I'm going to hold you accountable to the greatness that you say you want and that we want and need for you to perform at for our team. Mm-hmm. And so it's, so it's essential for, for the relationship, for the investment. So today's leader has to wear a lot of hats. They have to do a lot of things. It's harder than ever, but that's what makes the great ones great. They're able to do these hard things. Sean McVay is another great example. I mean, comes in as a head coach, 30 years old, but great communicator, one-on-one communication with each player. If you noticed, even when there were issues with Todd Gurley and other things going on in the media, it wasn't because of Todd Gurley. He never said anything. The relationship was always strong enough to withstand all the negative forces on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see at great cultures. That leader has developed such a great relationship and such great communication that the culture is stronger than all of the forces trying to sabotage it. Right. I love the part about love and accountability because in some ways you could imagine those two being a little bit opposite. They might not go hand in hand, or maybe maybe it's just a little bit more delicate. There's a fine line between the two because as a coach, you definitely want to be loving and a, and a loving leader, but there are oftentimes, and I think you've set, been on record to say that Dabo Sweeney's not the loving, super positive guy 24-7. There are times when you do have to you know, lay down the law and be a little bit more forceful with, with your coaching. How do you kind of go back and forth or find the line between love and accountability. Each leader is going to have their own continuum of where they are with love and accountability. So if you put love on one end of the spectrum and you put accountability on the coaches actually give too much love. Hey, let's be a great family. Let's be a great team, great relationship. And they don't ever want to rock the boat. They never really want to push the player. They never want to challenge them. So they never help that person become all that they're meant to be because we do need both. Mm-hmm. So you have to identify where you are Some leaders, if they're very likable, could actually be a little harder on the accountability side because they're so likable. So you have to evaluate that. Some leaders, if you're not very likable and you push too hard, they're going to hate you. So you may have to give more love. So Dabo, because he's likable, because he develops a relationship, then he'll say, come on, Christian Wilkins, you you were an All-American last year. I don't know about this year, but last year, that's what he says to him, trying to motivate him, trying to challenge him. I've seen him yell at guys, you know, just rip him. That player who just got ripped knows that coach cares about him. I call it love tough instead of tough love. Mm-hmm. So if they know you love them, you earn the right to challenge them. But love must come first. Tough love doesn't work anymore with today's athletes and also leadership in general in, in companies. You have to develop that relationship. So, so they go hand in hand, but there is a blend of the two. And I have found that the best leaders find their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And each leader is going to have a different continuum, a different spot of where they are on it. So it really just depends for you as a leader where you are, but the key is to blend the two. And if it works for you, great, but start evaluating whether it's working for you and is it working for your team? And that's what you have to find out. Very cool. In a lot of your books, you talk a lot about positivity and I really want to get into the energy buses. It's it's my favorite book that you wrote. uh, And you talk a lot about energy vampires and how to recognize them and and, you know, how to recognize the people that fit into that category in our life. I'm curious, can you share that concept with our listeners? And then maybe talk a little bit about how can you make positive choices to move away from those people? And do we have the ability, John, to help challenge, positively challenge those people, change those people? What is that relationship like? So energy vampires are people who will suck the life right out of you if you let them. They're negative, maybe they're pessimistic, 
or maybe they're just always bringing a lot of negative energy to the team, the room, and the situation. And you can just feel them sucking the energy. After a meeting with those people or with one of them, you just feel drained. And so we've all been around an energy vampire, but no one really wants to be an energy vampire. They don't want to be like that on purpose, I don't think. So you have to call them out. You have to, you have to talk about it. You have to address the negativity. And I don't mean calling out in a negative way. You got to do it in a positive way and you got to talk about it. Now, if they're a coworker, you can't just probably go call them out. It might lead to a negative confrontation. And so you got to lead with love. You got to invest in that person. I always say, first, give that person your time and energy. Invest in that person with, with your love. Try to transform them that way with, with love and kindness. See if that works. Kill them with kindness, right? If it doesn't work, well, at the cultural level, you got to talk about it as a team and as a leadership. Leaders need to create an environment where everyone can perform at their highest level. And they need to address the energy vampires that exist because one person can't make a team, but one person could break a team. And you don't want that person sabotaging the team. So you have to address that. Mm-hmm. But the best thing you can do if the leader's not going to address it or deal with it, because that's the most common email and question we get all the time. Hey, there's an energy vampire work. I'm not the boss. What do I do? Every day you show up with your positive energy. It must be greater than their negativity. And I'm not talking about Pollyanna. You just make a decision that that person's not going to affect you with their negative energy. Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. And you don't allow that person to walk through your mind with their dirty feet. You keep on sharing that positivity. I have seen a lot of people turn around as a result of this. Now, this is a funny one and a strange one for some, but it's worked so often, I have to share it. Pray for that person. If that person is an energy vampire, just start, even if you're not a praying person, pray for that person. You'll see amazing things happen. I can't tell you how many amazing success stories I've had by sharing that advice. Pray for that person who's negative and down and always sucking the energy. But you do have to guard against yourself. You you have to guard yourself against them. Because if you just show up every day with with a blase attitude thinking, ah, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not going to work. You have to be intentional about this. And approaching that person first with love and kindness, but with also the mindset, I'm not going to allow them to affect me. Instead, I'm going to infect them with some positive, contagious energy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it at the cultural level as a team and organization. So that way this person knows it's not okay to be negative. It's not okay to be draining. Now, this doesn't mean that when we never have fights as a team, it doesn't mean that if you have a bad day, you're an energy vampire. I think we know the difference between someone having a bad day and someone who is always draining the team and truly being an energy vampire. And sometimes you have clients that are energy vampires. Try to turn them around. You asked me earlier, okay, what do you do in that situation? You can't drive anyone else's bus. You can only drive your bus. But the key is try to show that person what a positive bus driver looks like, what the energy bus looks like. Try to infuse them with with kindness and love and passion and joy. Show them what that looks like. Model it for them. Encourage them. Help that. Do everything you can to help that person change. But just know that you can't drive anyone else's bus. If they don't want to change and they're not willing to change, they won't change. If that person isn't willing to change, you may have to stay away from that person. You may have to do your best. Even in an environment where it's a family gathering at Thanksgiving, you just don't hang out with that person. At a party, you don't hang out with that person. At work, you just try to avoid that person. If they ask you, that's a great opportunity to say, you know what? I've been trying to encourage you, I've been trying to invest in you, but you really always bring a negative energy and I just want to be around positive energy. But I would love to have a relationship. And are you open to some positivity? Are you open to changing? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen that work as well. 
Yeah, that's phenomenal advice. I'm curious, this might be a dumb question, John, but what about the person that maybe comes to you and says, you know, I, I'm hearing all this positivity stuff. I think I'm a positive person. I think people think I'm a positive person and maybe their boss or coworkers are behind them. Like, no, like th- this is why we brought you here. What about the people that maybe don't know if they are the negative vampire? That's a great question. Cause I often say that energy vampires often cannot see their reflection in the mirror. Right. So they don't know they're an energy vampire. They don't think they are. And that's probably the biggest challenge are the people who don't recognize that they are. And that's where you have a 360 review. That's where you come together as a team and, and talk about how each person affects the other rate each person again on a, on a communication scale on a positivity scale and you have those kind of conversations, but that's where you just sit down with that person and say, you may not realize this, but you know, I've noticed this, this, and this. It's called coaching. Mm-hmm. As a leader, if you have an energy vampire on your team, you got to coach them to be more positive. And if they don't see it, hopefully at that point, they'll be open to recognizing it. But if you have several people saying that, you know, that this person is the issue, well, then clearly this person is the issue. And so- so you have to address it. You have to talk about it. And I always say as a leader, ask people on a scale of one to 10, how well do you, how well do you communicate? And then what would make it a 10? On a scale of one to 10, what's it, what, what's it like to be led by me? How good of a leader am I? Where can I improve and get feedback that way? And so as teammates, you can actually rate your positivity as a team, how much positive energy you're bringing to the team. Again, sometimes people will roll their eyes like, oh, this is Pollyanna positive. This is not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. This is knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. It's not about ignoring reality. It's about maintaining optimism, belief, and positivity to create a better reality. So this is what makes great teams great. I I wrote The Power of a Positive Team, and a positive, energetic, optimistic team will outperform a pessimistic negative team every single time. We know that's the collective positive energy of a team that allows them to believe together and succeed together. So it really does matter the kind of energy you're bringing to your team. And you are contagious every day. The world has told us we're contagious. We now know it in a negative way, but we also have to know it in a positive way. Hope is contagious. Optimism is is contagious. Love is contagious. Kindness is contagious. Start sharing more of that. Come together, have the difficult conversations as a team. The Seattle Seahawks have Tell the Truth Mondays. Uh-huh. Every Monday they get together, they talk about the truth, who messed up, who could play better. No one takes it personal because it's all about being great for the team. The culture embraces that. It reinforces that. So you create a team where the culture will reinforce this, where you can speak truth to help each other, each, each other get better. Mm-hmm. Can you teach me the difference, John, between the power of positivity and fake it till you make it? Because I think some people might interlock those two, or they might say that those are the kind of the same. Would you agree? Is there a difference? And how do you decipher them? I don't believe in fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I believe in knowing that you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Act like you belong because you do. Know that there is greatness inside of you because there is. It's about ignoring the doubt and the fear and the discouragement and the negative thoughts and lies that are always coming in, trying to sabotage you, telling you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. People think that those thoughts are from them. They're not from you. You would never choose to have a negative thought. Mm -hmm. They come from consciousness. They come from a spiritual place. This is really important for people to understand that you would never choose to have a negative thought. Would you ever choose a thought that says, I don't have what it takes. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. You would never choose those. And so thoughts are always coming in and happen so fast that you think it's from you. Like when you're dreaming and having a nightmare, did you choose those thoughts? No, 
They just came in. And so thoughts are always coming in telling you that you can't make it, won't make it, don't have what it takes to succeed. So my belief is don't listen to those lies. Don't believe what they say. Speak truth to those lies. And that, that's not fake it till you make it. That's knowing that the truth is that you want to be great because deep down, you know that you have greatness within you. And so you have to know that you're worthy. You act like you belong, you belong and you're here to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's going to take work. It's going to take practice. It's going to take a lot, of, a lot of effort. It's not about just positive thinking, magically making things happen. It's positive thinking, which then allows you to take the actions necessary to make it happen. Awesome. John, you've written so many successful books. One of my favorite books is The Positive Dog, where you remind the readers that each day you have a simple choice. We can either feed the positive dog or the negative dog. Whichever one you feed the most will determine your outlook, kind of what we're just talking about here. I think this is a very key concept with COVID-19 and where we're in right now. Can you share your thoughts on that concept and how? what are some ways we can feed our positive dog every day? Well, now more than ever, we have to feed the positive instead of the negative because we're being bombarded by negativity. And so with those two dogs inside of us and whichever one, whichever one you feed, that's what grows. So if you don't have it, you can't share it. So now more than ever, we have to feed the positivity within us in order to feed others. We have to feed the positive to withstand all the negativity. We have to feed it to be resilient, to have grit, to keep moving forward. So you just have to feed yourself every day. And for me, it's gratitude. When you appreciate, you elevate. You elevate your mood, your performance. I take that thank you walk every day I talked about earlier. And the other key is I talk to myself instead of listening to myself. Hmm. Instead of listening to those negative thoughts and those words that try to sabotage you and destroy you, I speak truth to those lies. Encouragement. So every day I'm speaking truth instead of listening to those negative thoughts. And the more you talk to yourself instead of listen, you walk in that truth, you walk in that power. So don't listen talk to yourself. Yeah, I like that a lot. Talk to yourself, not listen. It's very proactive instead of reactive to what's going to happen in my life. It's not, I'm responding to everything that's happened. I'm in charge. I'm being proactive. It's very profound. I did it years ago when I first started speaking. I was unknown. I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of fear, a lot of feelings of unworthiness. And I would just talk to myself like that every day. Like I expect great things to happen. I trust in a greater plan for my life. I receive all the people who want to work with me and benefit from my gifts and talents. And I would literally send out emails. I would then make calls. Next couple of days, all of a sudden, someone would call. Someone would reach out. A lot of people said no, but some came in from nowhere that I was just blown away by. So the more you put it out there, you attract it back to you. I wrote about this in The Carpenter, which uh, the main character has to overcome these fears and doubts and everything we're talking about. And the, the main character learns to say these kind of phrases and words, but it's, it's actually what I did in my own life. Well, very cool. Uh, I, know, I know you're tight on time, John, so I'm going to end with one last question here. I'm curious on it. It's more about the COVID stuff here. What is your thoughts? One of the, one of the books to share with the young people or what, yeah, what are one of the books that you would want to share with a young person that's going through COVID? I'm thinking the person maybe that is the senior in high school that has been really excited about their senior year. And now things are much, very much different depending on the state they're in. What type of advice or a book would you recommend to somebody specifically in that demographic? I would read The Garden, which is one of my more recent books. And I wrote it literally from December 25th to January 8th, having no idea a pandemic was coming. This was last year, having no idea a pandemic was coming. It's a fable about overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. It's about two teenagers who are struggling, J and K, they're twins, and they learn how to win the battle of their mind to overcome. No surprise, the book came out to be a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, my first one ever 
to hit number one. And it's impacted a lot of young people already. Also, adults are reading it as well. But I definitely think it's a book that will resonate. It's a spiritual message as well. So there is a, a faith part of it. But I think for most people, they're comfortable with that. And I do have to give them that warning, though. It's not like my traditional business book. There's a little faith element, but it's so powerful. It definitely connects. And they will understand how to create their future based on what they're going on right now. And it is tough. My son's 20 years old and he's in the midst of it and he's taking online classes and he's struggling with it. He's, he's someone who needs structure. And now he's not going to that class every day and definitely, um, definitely a tough situation. So I'm, I'm in the midst of it myself. And I know how challenging this is. I know the anxiety that people are feeling and the fear they're feeling and the uncertainty. And that's, well, I guess I was meant to write this book. I didn't have, again, I had no idea a pandemic was coming, but I literally felt compelled to write at that time. I didn't have a choice. I sat down in that time and wrote it. And now I know why, because it's meant to help people who are going through what they're going through right now. And by the way, if, if, you're, if you're not okay, it's okay to not be okay. People need to know that. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up for having the feelings you're having, but you don't want to stay there. You don't want to allow it to take you down a spiral staircase of despair and depression. You want to make sure that you're feeding yourself every day to overcome that despair that you might be feeling or that uneasiness. So keep feeding yourself. And over time, you'll be able to overcome. Feel the pain, right? Feel it, but then lift yourself up to be able to overcome and arise out of it. Very cool. Last thing, if somebody is very excited uh, hearing this, wants to become more positive, one thing they can do after they close this podcast to be more positive, what is it, John Gordon? Sign up for my free dailypositive.com. I'm not trying to be promotional, but sign up for dailypositive.com. It's a free encouragement email every single day, and it will encourage. Also, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at J-O-N-Gordon11, J-O-N-Gordon11. You heard this once, but you need encouragement every day. Zig Ziglar was asked you know, about motivation. Hey, doesn't, motivation doesn't last he said, neither does bathing. It's why you have to do it every day. <laughs> and so every day we need encouragement. So that's why I do what I do on Twitter, Instagram, always posting positive messages and encouragement for people. So I would say do that. I'm not trying to be self-promotional, but really want to help people. It's why I do what I do. So dailypositive.com and also uh, Twitter, Instagram at John Gordon 11. Very cool. John, thanks for taking the time in your busy schedule. I really appreciate you. Somebody I admire. I love your books. We'll include everything in the show notes and just thank you for all that you do. Hey, thanks, DJ. Appreciate great questions and, and keep up the great work that you're doing. Hey, we're, we're all in this together, sharing the messages together. And I know I'm, I'm not the only one sharing it. People like you are making a difference in so many ways. So I'm just thankful that we have a, a, po- a group of positive warriors impacting the world. That's right. Thank you, John. Have a great day. All right. Take care. 